Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 14th episode of the uh, Kent Non-League podcast. So this is a first for us. We're actually recording on a Tuesday uh, lunchtime today, which does make things a little bit difficult as there are a few games tonight and some things we we might have to discuss. But I will edit something in later on tonight. It's, it's all my fault. I'm going to put my hands up. It's my fault that we're recording on Tuesday, but it's kind of a happy reason because tomorrow is my lovely girlfriend Hayley's 40th birthday. Uh, so happy birthday to Hayley. Um, I have bought you more than just a little shout out on the podcast um, and I hope you have enjoyed your day. Anyway, um, enough about that because I'm, I'm sure you're not that bothered. Matt, I'm Matt Gerald. I'm just up here, John. That was just quite wonderful. <laughs> Matt Gerald, how are you apart from taking the mick out of my relationship? <laughs> very good, very good. When you, I've already hit the bed. I had a nice party of mine a few years ago, so I hope it's a lovely day for your good lady. So um, I'm sure she'll be listening into the pod as a well of her presence. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, did, I, I thought we'd better record today because I don't think she would have appreciated it on Wednesday in the middle of her birthday if I said, um, sorry, love, just need to go and ring Matt for half an hour to talk about <laughs> non-league football. Well, 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 it depends on what relationship you've got. If it's like my wife, you shouldn't give a monkey's about Premier League football down to non-league football. It might be the same sort of thing, so there you go. Excellent. Well, we'll be fine anyway. So we, we don't know all of the results that you that between now and, and when you're actually listening to this, but I, I will, as I say, I will add something in. Um, but obviously that's going to be much later because it's also Hayley's mum's birthday today on Halloween, your mother-in-law's birthday. I don't know what you can say about that, <laughs> um, but there you go. Anyway, it's enough of all that about my personal life. I'm sure you're not, not that interested. Um, the main thing we're going to talk about this week is obviously the FA Cup. Um, this weekend, four of our non-league teams take on Football League opposition in the first round. We've obviously been following the FA Cup since August, and I guess for us it's a shame that none of our smaller teams have made it through. Interestingly, Matt, I remember you saying, I think it was week three of the podcast, the one where I was in real, um, that a team who would, been play, who would play in the Cup that weekend would make it through to the first round. Three of them did, just none of ours though. However, the magic of the Cup is still alive and well at this moment, isn't it? Well, it is. I was trying to think about that, but you said about it was the glass or smaller Kent side that got through. It's probably hide a few years ago, seven years ago, yep. But um, I think we probably gathered what, when we're ahead of the fourth qualifying round, what sides would get through. We, unfortunately, we, we didn't think that uh, Folkestone would go and, of course, one of Dover or Bromley would go. But I think we, you know, it, it's a good level, not as many as we beat the record back in 1923 or whatever it was that we had so many sides. But I think on the day, we may have sides that could reach the... Uh, magical second round and then you really get excited because you're then one more away from playing a third-rate Premier League team and play the reserves but we'll discuss that another day. I see. I mean, all four of our teams could conceivably call, cause what some people crassly call a cup set. I don't like that. But um, <laughs> Shocking. Who, indeed. Who better to talk to us before these games though about a man who knows all about an FA Cup upset and he's also played for a couple of the teams in the first round. Seven years ago this weekend, Dover travelled to Gillingham in a Kent derby in the FA Cup first round. Had a little bit of added spice, Gillsworth's Andy Hessenthal left the Whites that summer, and it turned out to be a day to forget for the Gills, who were in stinking form, as I remember. The opening goal that day was scored by Adam Birchill, and he, of course, remembers the day well. I spoke to Adam a couple of weeks ago, looking ahead to these games, but I started by saying to him about how his former teams are doing and how the Kent teams are overall are doing in the in the non-league system before we went on to talk about the FA Cup. And listen out through it during this interview, courtesy of Radio Kent, there's a very excitable bit of commentary from that memorable day when Dover beat Gillingham. Uh, 
then Matt um, we're going to talk about the content of that interview in a minute but first of all seriously what was that music on that clip you sent me I was a bit concerned I started playing it last night to put it onto the laptop and it was a fella grunting is that music from your private collection <laughs> no it wasn't there's a story behind that day because of course I don't normally do I do the Dover game but Gillingham have their own guy but we the full time guy on Radio Kent but they were on strike that weekend and bizarrely I was in Paris on a Thursday watching Dortmund play Paris Saint-Germain it's a weird world, weird world that I live in. Saying, can you do the game on Saturday? Of course not. I'd love to. So I did that game. Um, so basically, everybody was on strike. So I got commentary of the full game. I've still got it somewhere. And after the game, I got the commentary. But they must have run that bit at the end of the programme. And that's when the, the grunting goes on. That must have been the music at the time. So, But from a personal point of view, as a football commentator, from that sort of role, it it probably never get better than that. Beating Gillingham. At Gillingham, Birch was scoring a 30-yarder. Um, 
probably the highlight of my commentary career, to be honest. So um, it, it was a good day for Jack Gillingham on their knees, but they were under Martin Hayes. And I always remember that on that day, uh, I got in the lift at Gillingham's had lifts all the way, and I got in the lift. Jim Palmer to Martin Hayes, who was the Dover manager. We all sort of looked at each other and sort of punched the air at the time. But there you go, seven years ago. But Adam Burchard, what a legend that man is. Yeah, also interested about that commentary, of course, was it was the um, it was the at the start on the sort of theme music of the non-league show, the BBC non-league show. For many years, every time I listen to that podcast, I'd hear your voice. Yeah, another thing, I didn't never get any money out of that either, but that was always on there. So yeah, I've always had my fifteen minutes of fame, so I can say I've been on five live at half five in the morning. So yeah, that was always in there. That might have been the second goal, which I think was that was used when I answered. What look, I answered what a good player he is. If anybody knows what he does now. I've, I'll never know. He left over and never played again, but he, he was a good midfielder, I thought. Yeah, it, it, it certainly was a, a, a memorable day, that one. I mean, I remember at the time, um, Gillingham took it so badly. I was doing some stuff for their programme um, occasionally. And in the next edition of the programme, uh, beloved chairman Paul Scully banned any reference whatsoever to the fact that they'd lost to Dover. That's how bad things were. And I suppose that shows what the FA Cup can mean to some of these teams. And, you know, th- this weekend is an opportunity. And, and I mean, Gillingham themselves have got a tricky home tie against non-league opposition again. But all four of our Kent teams that are in action have got a serious chance. So we'll start by looking at, we've got two teams that are at home. We'll start by looking at one of those. Ebbsfleet United against Doncaster. A 3pm kickoff on Saturday, which was a, a bit of a surprise to me. Um, Fleet have still lost three times in 2017. A decent 0-0 draw for them at Sutton on Saturday. Doncaster are 17th in League One after being promoted. And at the moment, they are winning and then losing every single week, alternating. They won at the weekend, so uh, lose this weekend? Oh, I think it's a good tie for, for Ebbsfleet again. Not Ebbsfleet, uh, uh, a side that have got a bit of money, of course, so from that point of view. So, maybe, so there may be a little bit of pressure on them to beat Doncaster. Doncaster... Probably what the level they probably should be, 17th in, in league, league One, whatever it is. Again, their away form hasn't been too bad. And their home form has been a problem for them. Um, some good players in there. Of course, Alfie May, one of our Kent players, will be involved. John Marquis, who Gillingham know all about. But it's a good tie for them from that point of view. And actually, of course, take on the uh, the mantra of so having seen Alex Ferguson watch one of their games against Macclesfield. Now they've also got his son managing them from that point of view. So, a bit up and down, I would say, at Doncaster. Hopefully, the fleet can find them on one of their lesser days. So, But I can't see why, why not that Ebbsfleet um, can cause a bit of a cup shock in that one. I think the only thing for Ebbsfleet is, you know, we've talked about it a few times, is is their goals, you know, that they've obviously lost McQueen to injury and, and they're going to need someone to stick the ball in the back of the net. And, and when you're playing against a team from two leagues higher... You're not going to get as many chances as they might do when they're playing a team in, at, at the same level as them. So they've got to make sure that when that chance comes, they need it to fall to the right person and they've got to make them count. It's a kind of game that's made probably for Danny Kedwell from that point of view. He will rough up uh, the defenders. They've got Butler at the back. Big defender, Dan Butler, I think it is for Doncaster. who's an old-fashioned rugby defender from that point of view. So that should be a real good battle with, um, uh, with, with Kedwell from that point of view. You know, it's got to be in their faces, I think, from the Doncaster. Uh, Doncaster view there should be a big crowd because Doncaster normally brings some uh, uh, good numbers. Uh, yeah, again, scoring goals, but defensively they're pretty solid as well. Ebbsley uh, good result for the weekend in Sutton, which is I think is a good point for them as well. Yeah, I think they've got they've got a chance again if they can get their nose in front. Okay, they've got a winning mentality. They don't lose many football matches. They can cause a, what would be a class as a big shock because there's plenty of plenty of uh, places between these two sides. And to be honest. 
I thought Doncaster maybe would be doing a little bit better than they are after the season they had last year, but maybe that shows the gaps between uh, League 2 and League 1. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at the other teams, uh, Plymouth as well are struggling after coming up. So there is obviously a bit of a gap there. And, and I like you, I, th- I think it's a real chance for Ebsley. And they've just got to make sure that they're, that they're there or thereabouts and that they can, you know, when they get that chance, they, they make sure of it. And who knows, Ebsley, they're probably a club that if it wasn't for the My Football Club experiment a few years back, not many people would know about them. But this is a chance for them to put the put the place on the map. They've got new owners. They're a completely different animal these days. They've got, you know, they've got some really good players there, and I think it's a real chance for them to show what they're all about. Yeah, I think the, the new stand will be open as well. So I'm surprised it wasn't one of the, the Sunday games, maybe because of the policing of Dartford playing as well. That was an issue, but again, it's good to put National League football on the map here. I think Edfield can get a draw, go to Doncaster again, but again, Silverport they get in front. I think defensively they're pretty solid. I think they can maybe put off a cup shot. Yeah, and the other team at home, obviously, is as you just mentioned, is Dartford. Um, they're our lowest-ranked team left in the competition, but they are top of the National League South, so it's not that bad. Um, they've got one of the Sunday games. They host Swindon at Prince's Park. The Robins have gone out at this stage for the last three years, so they won't have welcomed an awkward little trip down to Kent. Um, Dartford stayed top of the table. They beat St Albans on Saturday, full of confidence. They've got no Andy Pugh this weekend. He starts a suspension, but... Even so, with Alfie Pavey in such great form, he's just signed a contract at the club as well, which is good for them. It's a real chance for Tony Berman's men, isn't it? I, I think it is. I think Swindon might have been knocked out by non-league obviously, in the last couple of seasons as well. So, I know he knocked them out last season. But from that, again, Swindon, where they placed in their league, fifth place. Um, David Flickhoff, a, a good manager at that level. I think, I think arguably, it's a tough, more a tougher game than Dartford and what Ebsley have got. I think Swindon are an organised uh, side from there. Another one, Kent Links as well, Harry Smith, who's on loan from Millwall, of course, uh, played for Sitting Bourne and Folkestone. So, and he's got a good record. He got a hat trick in the first round last year for Millwall. So, Swindon again, their home form hasn't been good, but their away form has. So, and there's some decent players that Swindon have got. And I think I think Swindon will be up there come the end of the season in that division. It's just Dartford, maybe, you know, we, we talk about. Um, Bradbrook, will this be the last season if they get promoted? Maybe he want to be his last FA Cup tie for them. He want to show what he can do. But that's on, a, as we say, that's on a Sunday for a reason. Maybe that people think there's a cup shot. Duff, very good at home, score goals. I can see that being a really entertaining game. Could go either, either way on that point of view because Swindon are good um, away from home. But there may be, because Swindon, of course, lead one last season, Dartford. There may be too much of a gap, I think, for maybe for uh, Duff to get over Swindon. At home, maybe another replay, but they've got a chance. The form Alfie Pavey's in it, he'll ruffle, ruffle up some defenders. That should be a, an absolute cracking game. Yeah, I think Swindon's interesting because obviously Flickroft hasn't been there that, that long. I know that their chairman's a bit uh, eccentric, shall we say. And I guess one big thing that that chairman and that club wants is an FA Cup run. So I don't think there'll be any ch- any danger at all of Swindon taking this lightly. And, and, you know, the management styles as well, you know, Flickcroft will get stuck in. He's a wily sort of, you know, determined sort of fellow. And I think, you know, you compare them to Doncaster, and I think you're probably along the right sort of lines when you say that it might be a tougher tie for Dartford than it will be for Swindon. But, you know, if the Darts can get an early goal, Pavey will cause trouble. He's got good movement. He's a good finisher. If they get an early goal, then Swindon, the demons from the previous years, may come back to them. But I think, you know, Swindon, there'll be massive pressure on them to get a cup run. And they won't take this game lightly at all. They won't rest any players. and It'll be a full-strength Swindon side. And I think that'll be a belting cup tie. Yeah, I think it'll 
you know, I expect more four thousand people will be there. Dartford have sold over two and a half thousand t- uh, tickets for it. Swindon were normally well supported. They'll bring their allocation. It should be a good game. You're going to see some good players. Maddie Taylor, of course, plays for Swindon. That'll be interesting. Very similar left-footed player to Ryan Hayes. Next, bit of a wand with that. That'll be interesting to make up. And I see Kane Woolery plays for Swindon as well. Of course, he had links from Baitstone and, and got promoted with Forest Green last year. So another Ken links from that point of view. Um, yeah, I think uh, again. It, on the day, Dartford turn up, they're scoring goals. Again, you've got to get in these sides' faces from that point of view. I think you've made the point there, John. Absolutely crucial. Swindon, they don't want to be going out for the first round of the, for the last four seasons from that point of view. I know a couple of seasons ago, they got topped 5-0 by Cheltenham in the first round. And a club like Swindon needs to be going, doing better than the first round. But they'll be nervous knowing that they're record four. So and I'm sure Tony Berman will be saying that to him in, in his uh, pre-match piece. Yes, they've not been knocked out the first round the last three years. Let's make it four. People like Bradbrook, Hayes, they'll be up for this. Real, should be a real cracking contest. But I bet the atmosphere will be absolutely bubbling at the Rings Park. It's almost like we script this because you just mentioned Cheltenham. And next on my list, I've got Maidstone who go to Cheltenham. Um, Mason seem to be doing better away from home than they have been at home uh, lately. Although they did get a much needed win on at home on Saturday. They left it late, but they beat Chester 1-0. Dover won at Cheltenham a couple of years ago. Dover getting a lot of reference, even though they're not playing this weekend. Um, but it's not a tie that Jay Saunders has to fear when they go to Cheltenham on, sat- on Saturday, is it? Out of all the sides we've got in, I think Mason have got the best opportunity to get through. I, I fancy them at uh, Cheltenham. Uh, it's a nice tight ground, but Maystone will bring... They'll feel that end behind the goal. Cheltenham, I'm not pulling up too many trees again. They probably thought they'd be doing better this season. Again, last season they didn't do particularly well. Another couple of Ken players will be involved. Jamie Grimes, of course, is at Dover. We won't mention them anymore. Moisa, of course, is at Greenwich, and he's been banging them in. I just feel that Maystone can do something there. The confidence they earned from those games against Stevenage a couple of years ago, very similar side position-wise uh, in the league. Uh, when they played Stevenage, they got a draw there, brought them back to um, the Gallagher and won. But I, I think... Maidstone can do Cheltenham at Cheltenham on uh, on Monday. You've got Lozer, you've got Hines, you've got match winners from that point of view. So the longer the game goes on, I'm sure the Cheltenham fans will be getting a little bit grumpy. They are. I think when they were in the National League, they thought they were better than a lot of the clubs. And I feel the supporters that is. And I feel that maybe that could work in Maidstone's favour because they'll be on the players' back pretty early if it's not working out. Maidstone have got match winners. And I'm tipping now that Maidstone will not Cheltenham at the FA Cup. Wow. Great shout. I, I should point out to anyone listening who's from outside the area and may come and cover a game at uh, a game where Matt is. If you're in the non-league pyramid and you start making out that you think you're perhaps a little bit too big for it, Matt holds a grudge. Um, <laughs> the last time I actually saw Matt in person, we were at uh, Welling against Lincoln in the FA Trophy. Let's not talk about the speeding ticket Matt got on the way home. But uh, it, the attitude of the Lincoln bloke of, well, yeah, we're not going to be around for long, didn't particularly sit very well, did it? No, what you find is some of these league sides come down and they just look at the National League and think, oh, it's, you know, it's nothing, we should be out of it. Fair play to Cheltenham, they got promoted. One season state, they're out of it again. That big. They did look down their noses at that. Maidstone with their support. I just fancy them. I've seen Dover win there. I mean, Dover again, sorry. At Cheltenham, great day out from that point of view. But we know their players and the fans can get on their back. Um, they've got a lot of players who played National League level but I think Maidstone will be up for it and I, I, I really think Maidstone has got a great chance Interesting thing about that game as well was that Cheltenham set the prices for the tickets um, I think it was £15 for the terrace tickets 
and uh, their fans were up in arms about it. So they put them down to a tenner. And it's a difficult one because, you know, Maidstone will obviously have had a say in the ticket pricing as well. But in these ties, you've got the non, when you've got a football league team at home to a non league team, they do need to price it competitively because it's a lot of their fans, they, everyone has to pay to get into a cup game. And a lot of fans are going to look and say, 15 quid to play Maidstone at home, that's a bit much. So I, I would, I'm. A big fan. I know the clubs need the money, but it's good to see that the prices have been made more affordable for people, so that the fans can actually come in and, and there'll be a bigger crowd there because of that. Yeah, or well, I think Maidstone fans, even if it's twenty quid a pop, they would pay to go and see their sides there. It's a new ground for them. Uh, a good little terrace behind the goal as well. Yeah, again, teams like Cheltenham. How important is the FA Cup for teams like Cheltenham? If they get knocked out in the first round, it's not important. If they get through to the next round and they can draw a Premier League side, it probably turns into an important uh, event for from that point of view. Oh, I'm fine with that. Good thing of one thing I will say about Chatham, they're very well run off the pitch. They really uh, listen to what the fans expect, maybe because of the terrible years they had when they got relegated, there wasn't much of a fan bonding, but now they've got back in the league, there is. So, yeah, I admire them from that point of view, but whatever the gate, the, the attendance, I'm sure Maystone will take six, seven hundred down there and make it absolutely another good atmosphere and maybe the Cheltenham might not be expecting that yeah and that just leaves with Bromley who um well we can't really say who they beat in the last round because we, <laughs> we're now banning from talking about them um but Bromley drew two all at Bournemouth on Saturday and they like Maidstone are in the playoff places in the National League um I don't think many people are going to give Bromley much of a chance when they go to Rochdale on Saturday but for me it's, it's a really good opportunity for them to put their names out there you know they're they're one of the clubs in the conference that people will probably look down and they're one of the ones that when you get relegated, that's the one you look at and think, that's how far we've fallen, we're playing Bromley. And that's no disrespect to Bromley at all. But because they're not one of the traditionally bigger clubs at that level, they flitted around between that the conference or the National League and the league below it quite a few times. I don't think many people have, have got a, a great opinion of Bromley as a big club. So they are a side who, they've got a tough tie at Rochdale, at Rochdale who aren't doing brilliantly. But I think Bromley have got a good chance. They've got some experienced players. They've got some good players out there. And I think they, of all the teams we've mentioned there, are the ones most likely to be taken lightly, perhaps, by their Football League opposition. Yeah, I suppose Rochdale, uh, of course, they played Kent opposition last year when they were based and got out of jail, really, just for the last-minute free kick to draw the game and then put them with Scotland. Again, Scotland is a difficult place. Rochdale normally very good at home. Got some very good players from that point of view. it's a tough one for probably not the glamorous tie you really want from that going up to Greater Manchester uh, probably you know they conceded five in the last two but defensively they've been pretty solid and again this is a sort of game Roger Johnson will probably be mad marshalling the defence from that point of view they go in no pressure probably I don't think they've won a, got round past the first round for a number of number of years probably looking into decades from that point of view so uh, do I fancy probably up at Rochdale I think they can get a draw from that point of view. And then you bring it back to the, uh, the 3G and anything can happen. Again, it's crucial that they don't concede an early goal from that. Let me just say, you mentioned about crowds. How many Rochdale fans will come out against Bromley? Bromley fans will travel in numbers for that because they want to get through and they, they're desperate to get to the second round. I think it may be one step too much for them uh, from that point of view, but it doesn't put any damper on what a good season it's been so far for Bromley. And, I'm sure they've got a big part to play from that point of view. So I would probably say Rochdale will do them over 90 minutes. But if they defend, as I've seen them defend this season, and on the counter-attack, they will worry Rochdale. Again, oh, a lot of the majority of these cup ties, I think if, the, if our Kent side could get score first, we've got a good chance of, of 
going forward and getting into the next round. Conceding against Rochdale, Bromley would have to come out a little bit, then I may be fearful of it a bit a tad. Yeah. Um it should be a great weekend anyway. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all pans out. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Anyway, last weekend was the FA trophy. Um as we we're recording on a Tuesday, I can only tell you that two Kent teams are definitely through to the next round. We thought Margate might have a tricky time at Staines on Saturday, but they actually had no issues and won 3-0. They've got a home tie next up against a team from a lower league. In a few minutes, I'll tell you who that is. Um, but Margate will be thrilled to get through that tie. Disappointing in the FA Cup. Got through the first, They got through the first round of the FA Trophy, and now they've got a home tie against lower league opposition. If you'd said to Steve Watt on Monday morning, what draw do you want? He would have said, any team from the Leeds Blurs at home, that's exactly what they got. Yeah, I think I read an article about something sort of looking at maybe to reorganise the trophy because up to this point we've still got two more rounds before the, the National League sides come in uh, with the Conference South sides will come in shortly but yeah I think Margate it was, it was an important win for Margate three in the Staines of course they're playing Staines on Saturday as well so uh, maybe that will give them a little bit of confidence going into that yeah but again good good performance um, three goals clean sheet not conceded in the last minute I think as, as Steve Watt probably went off the pitch there he, he probably thought it was a very satisfying at the office and if they can get a back-to-back wins if they won this evening you'll be able to tell you later John as we're recording this eventually on the Tuesday that'll be a good week and hopefully they can finish that off on Saturday so yeah again I think they probably needed that win on Saturday yeah, and interesting as well, Margaret, last week when uh, Orlando Smith moved on from the club. Um, f- flying winger, but some when I saw him, didn't really have a lot of end product. And he's gone, but Kane Hazeman's coming. Now, Hazeman, who was at Gillingham as a youngster, has been around that sort of level for a while. Now, they've picked him up from Kingstonian, who I think are having a, a lot of players leave after uh, their manager left. Um, but I th- I think Hazeman's a really good signing, because I felt when I saw them lose to Leatherhead in the AFA Cup the other week, they were short of a bit of variety in midfield. A lot of their centre midfielders were the same type of player, and I think Hazeman gives them a little bit of a different option, a little bit of spark in that centre midfield. And I think that that's a really good, astute piece of work from Steve White. He held his hands up, said it was a tough call to let Smith go. But I think Hazeman is, is an experienced campaigner and, and, and a decent signing for him. He's a goal-scoring midfielder. I spoke to Orlando Smith, the Margate fan that I work with. He was a little bit disappointed. He thought he'd been one of better Margate's players. And Again, when I've seen Orlando Smith around, he can beat a player, but again, it's the final ball that, that lets him down. But I think what the Margate fan has said, he was disappointed. Hazeman will come in, a box-to-box midfielder, create chances, score goals. As More importantly, he knows his level as well. Just, I think Margate, we still think with Margate, they're a work in progress from this point of view. So, Again, Steve Watts tinkering. And again, you admire it. Again, he's probably learned that from Jay Saunders. If he has to make decisions about players, he may be a good friend and you've worked with him before. If he doesn't think he's working with a club, you've got to think what's right for the club, not necessarily right for what he thinks for a friendship from that point of view. I'm not saying that the friendship's finished, but he made a tough decision there because I know he was quite tight with Lord Anderson. Mm. Um, the other team definitely through at the moment are Thamesmead, who beat Bostick Premier side Brightlingsea Region on Sunday. Um, they've got Met, Met Police in the next round, and um, I think they'll fancy that as well, Tommy Warlow's side. Yeah, up and down, aren't they? Tommy Warlow saving their best performances for the for the uh, cup competitions this year. But Tommy Warlow, again, just needs consistency from a, from a Thamesmead point of view. It's a good result against Brighton and see, uh, in the Devon Prostic Premier Division, so not many people would have fancied that. Again, I think going back to the point about the FA Trophy, it is a competition that seems to run and run before it gets uh, a little bit exciting. Somebody said when the goes down to the last 48, when the National League comes in, and you think half the sides are from the National League anyway. So it, it, it's made as a competition that's 
going to be looked at as one of the higher race sides will go on and win, maybe they could re-judge it a little bit. So, you know, it tends to be that home to Leighton Orient. If Leighton Orient come in at this round, maybe you could sort of galvanise the competition a little bit. Because maybe respect tends to be against Met Police. You know, you get a good result on the Saturday, then you've got Met Police. It doesn't really, you know... You go down a bit of a downer if you try to know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, when we touched on it before, didn't we? It's it, you know some of the teams who've, who've already been in and out of the competition. Thamesmead obviously started in in the first possible round. I, I, I hate to say it, but Thamesmead haven't got a prayer of winning that competition. And you know they could end up going through a couple of rounds. And like you say, it's a long way before they even get to the national league clubs. And then they could get a national league club. And it could be someone like Geisley. You know, it hasn't got the prestige of the FA Cup. Because our teams, when they start in the FA Cup in August, they're dreaming of that first round. They've seen it's attainable. They can get there. But it, in this competition, I don't think it's got that gravitas. I don't think they want to push so much, so, push so hard on it. Because the rewards, financial, prestige, aren't quite as great. And as you say... Nine times out of ten, I think, well, 13 times out of 15, wasn't it, the article that we've obviously both read independently this morning, a National League team wins it. So it is very stacked in favour of those National League teams. And I think a reshuffle of this competition would do it the world of good. It's probably only when you get to sort of the quarterfinals that there's a side would probably take it really seriously at the high end. Reading the other point in that article, they would say that if the sides come in there, would Lake Norin be interested playing at any full team players if they drew attempts speed and thinking that the competition has got a long way to get to Wembley that is, you know on the other side of the coin is is a valid point but if the FA want to galvanise the football for the people that's maybe they should look at this competition uh, as a way of doing it again they can throw more money at it uh, from uh, a winning point of view if you win more matches like what they try to do with the FA Cup but again we could be saying this in March when Margate could be in the quarterfinals and with their dreaming of Wembley but at the moment, it's such a it's a nothing competition until they get anywhere. And teams like Thamesmead, good for them, good for the confidence at that point of view. But again, it needs to be looked at. I really do think it does. Yeah, and obviously if Margate do get to Wembley, we are booked on the bus, so that's fine. Um, elsewhere, Hythe went out to Leatherhead, but all the other teams in action on Saturday drew. Um, Cray's replay with Grays is on Wednesday night, so even if we had recorded as we normally do, we wouldn't have known about the outcome of that. But um, I was looking through the draw, and I had to Google who they've got next. So uh, your lesson today is that Moneyfields FC are based in Portsmouth. They uh, they won the Wessex League last year and are now in the Southern League. Um, I genuinely had never heard of them, even though former Margate striker Jason Pryor once played for them. You are familiar with Moneyfields, Matt? Yeah, they've they a cup run a couple of seasons ago. No uh, idea. No, I did see that thing. I did think maybe they had been involved in the FA Cup. I, I have heard of them, but if you'd have told me they were near Portsmouth, I wouldn't have believed you. So from that point of view, so I didn't have no idea where they were. But uh, again. Moneyfields, well, it sounds a lovely place though. I wonder if they are full of money in those fields. Well, Portsmouth should have raided them a long time ago, shouldn't they? If they were. <laughs> Good point. So on Tuesday night, born were the only victors in the FA Trophy, joining Margate and Thamesmead Town in the next round. Um, born having a brilliant season and what a result for them. They've won 2 0 away to Merstham. Their awards a home tie in the next round against Harringay Borough who are from the Ryman League Division 1 North, or Bostick Division 1 North, as we should call it. And they were the team who knocked Welling out of the FA Cup, so it's not going to be an easy tie for uh, Nick Davis's men, but they'll be delighted to be through. But not such a great night, I'm afraid to say, for folks in victory who went out on penalties to Leiston, or Tunbridge Angels, who had a really disappointing result going down 2-1 at Haybridge Swifts, um, who again from the Bostick League North. 
Um, really good side, Haybridge Swifts. We talked about them. They've reached the FA Cup first round. But even so, Steve McKim is going to be bitterly disappointed. Tom Angel seem to have a real problem in the cup competitions. So they're going to be really, really let down by that. And obviously, I, I, you'd have heard me say a minute ago, I was hoping to tell you who Margate are playing in the next round. But I, I can't because the game between Egham and Bowers and Pitsy was called off due to floodlight failure. So that game was to be re- rearranged. Um, Margate themselves, they were in league action tonight. The only one of our Bostic teams in league action. Again, late goals have cost Margate. Drawn 1-1 at home to Metropolitan Police. A goal five minutes from time. Cancelling out Jordan Chidozzi's opener. Um, really disappointing for Margate and Steve Watt. They've got to cut out these late goals because it's a bit of a concern. Because, uh, you know, if you want to be there or thereabouts, you've got to play for the whole 90 minutes. Um, that's really about it for the uh, Tuesday night update, which I'm providing at about five past 12 on uh, Wednesday morning now. And let's go back to what we recorded earlier now. Um, right, let's have a look at the Bostick South then. Um, the big story there this week comes from Phoenix Sports, whose manager Steve O'Boyle resigned. Um, he did a great job there. Well, he did a phenomenal job there. And they're in the Kent Invicta League when he took over initially as a joint manager. And he's left the mid-table in the Bostick South. Um, a fantastic job he's done there. The extra kick to this little story is that just after I'd read um, Steve O'Boyle had resigned, Ashford United's chairman felt the need to issue a statement denying that O'Boyle was on his way there. Um, so nothing doing with that one. Um, I know the Ashford manager's a little concerned about his future and where they're going to go, but whatever, it's a massive loss for Phoenix to, to lose Steve O'Boyle. And they lost to his Grinstead on Saturday. And, and I've been there for so long and done so well. There's going to be a transitional period there, isn't there? Yeah, uh, it's interesting from that. I didn't put two and two together until I um, thought he'd left. I didn't think he would go to another job, but then the Ashford chairman did say he's not coming. So... Maybe there's no smoke without fire from that point of view because he said that the Ashford manager, uh, he, he said he you know, was thinking about his future. Maybe that Steve O'Boyle from Gunnar But Phoenix Sports have, have done a fantastic job. Now they're, they're punching way above their weight. Maybe he needs to recharge his batteries, but I'm sure when he wants to come back in the game, there'll be plenty of sides around him. And we said before, Ashford United are in a 23rd position in this division. I think they're going to be okay because we don't think anybody's getting relegated, but it's a good. Uh, using the football uh, terminology project for something to work with and maybe uh, maybe not at the moment but maybe something a manager of Steve O'Boyle's um, ca- uh, pedigree would look to sort of that job to come on but I presume there's no smoke without fire in there so we'll keep an eye on that one I think yeah we certainly will I mean Ashford you mentioned them there that they drew with Whiteleaf at the weekend Ramsgate and Guernsey played out a nil-nil draw and there was a much-needed win for Herne Bay on Saturday as as they beat Shoreham 4-1. Shoreham, who are bottom, and I don't think they're very good from what I've heard. Um, this week, we've got, on Saturday, Hyde travel to Chipstead, Ramsgate against Corinthian Casuals, Faversham at home to Horsham, Ashford go to Greenwich, tough one for them, Herne Bay go to Guernsey, Sittingbourne at home to Phoenix, Cray go to South Park, VCD host Molsey, easy for me to say, and Thamesmead go to Walton Casuals. Now, on Tuesday, there's a load more games, but only four of them actually concern our teams. Uh, there's a little derby at Winch's Field as Herne Bay played Thamesmead. Phoenix against South Park. Another derby, Ramsgate against Ashford. And this one's a proper derby. Sittingbourne against Faversham. And Sittingbourne still flying high. Um, did well on Saturday against Merstham. Obviously, we don't know how they've gotten in the replay. But that's a, that's a going to be... They'll, they'll look at that one as a home banker. And I'm guessing, given that I've been seen Sittingbourne play twice this season, it's been nil-nil both times. Nick Davis will be glad I'm not going there on Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, well, Faversham have had a couple of... You know, back-to-back wins, haven't they? Turned the, turned the corner a little bit. You know, with a lot of pressure under Ray Turner and I, and I buy them. A, him keeping his nerve, not thinking of walking away and also the club thinking that, you know, he's been 
a great manager at that level over the years. So, you know, he earned the, the respect to stay on the job even though he was struggling. Sitting doing very well. I have to say, it used to be every week, Kevin Bostick, the side to play in midweek. But they've only played 14 league games already, so I don't know where this, all these fixtures come along from that point of view. It does seem very, very crazy to me. But they are, it's hard work for some of these. Days. You think the teams try and Tuesdays and Thursdays, sitting more than what, what a job he's doing, when he's basically got his players probably for an hour and a half on a Thursday to get through what he wants to do with it. So it is a tough old division. He's done these pampered Premier League plays. You go down to the Devon Bostick South and work out when you're basically playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday every week with little time for training. One of the things as well is it's not just, you know, they're not just only training on Tuesday or Thursday or whatever. They're also doing full-time jobs. I remember a couple of years ago writing a, an article, Raheem Sterling was moaning he was a bit tired because he'd played like 10 games already by this stage of the season. I was like, hang on a minute, some of these players have played 20 games. Pipe down, mate. And these players are also doing that alongside their jobs. You know, they've got their family lives. You know, I know, obviously I know some non-league players and it's such a commitment for them to be away from their from their families. You know, if you've got young kids, you know, you don't really want to be in a situation where, right, well, yeah, it's lovely having these kids, but I can't see a Saturday, I can't see a Tuesday night, I can't see a Thursday night. I've got to work Monday to Friday as well. You know, there, there is so much being put into this. And, and you know, people don't realise that at the, uh, the higher level, again, you see all the all the tweets. There was one from the BBC saying, oh, Sean St. Ledger, he's been playing in the non-leagues. As if it's like, you know, people think they've got such a low opinion of it sometimes. And I think when you're not involved in it, I can understand that people may have that. But when you come down into non-league, there are dedicated people, both on and off the pitch. And without them, well, I wouldn't be sitting here. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about non-league football, but also, you know, the game would be in such a poor state. Non-league football's brilliant, and it's great that people are giving it a bit of, bit of a push every now and then. But you know, well, these people were so grateful that they're giving up their time to basically entertain us and keep football clubs going. Well, you know, I've been travelling Germany, watching a lot of football. They're amazed about the levels that the whole leagues go to you look at the, the the second or the third division of the German League, it's just full of reserve teams, etc. like that. So there's, it basically ends after Bundesliga 2, really, for some of these sides from that point. And when you go to the regional leagues, yeah, no, and, and to be fair, I'm not, I don't know what Stittenborn's weight for it, but you won't be paid mega money to play for Stittenborn at that point. If, if you're doing it for the love of the game. You know, everybody loves the game. If they're giving something back from that point of view, and maybe you could be spotted by somebody and you get your career there. But what a commitment some of these players do. Now, you say about that Thames speed having to travel to Hampton Bay next week and things like that. It's a bit of a trek down that probably on a Tuesday night on down the M25. But, you know, they do it for the love of the game. And maximum respect for some of these people. It's very easy to say. And I do find the whole non-league thing very patronising from that point of view. And it, it probably reaches its crescendo this weekend when you'll get the BBC and the Sky, the, the main channel, saying, oh, little old Ebsley up against Doncaster and things like that. But, Got to give some of these sides respect that they, they, they deserve more than the patronising they're going to get, which is one of the things that will annoy me over the next few, over this weekend. I certainly remember the, a few years ago when ITV had the, the coverage. I played a game of Adrian Charles Bingo, and um, it was amazing. It was like you know you, you want to see oh he's a bricklayer. Oh look there they are that they've never done. It's, it does get a bit much sometimes, but hopefully it won't be too bad. Anyway, we've talked plenty about the FA Cup. Um, in the Boston Premier, there were obviously no games at the weekend. Um, and then on um, Saturday, it's Enfield against Tunbridge Angels, Folkestone against Dorking Wanderers and Margate against Staines again. 
Um, on Tuesday night, Gate are the only team in action. They go to Merstham, who beat them a, a couple of weeks ago at Hartsdown Park. So, a couple of games. So, I understand you're going to Margate on Saturday, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to see them again today. So we'll have a look around, see how they're getting on, how Steve Watt's getting on, and trying to have a chat, chat with the chairman for the for the pod next week. Yeah, to see how they're going and on and off the pitch, really, because it's been a you know a disappointing. Well, not disappointing, but well, Margate are growing forward as a club and see how they're doing. And I think they're in the right direction. As everything supporters, maybe they want it running quick, running better than it is. But I think maybe they need to sort off the field problems before they can go on. If they can have a run in the trophy and maybe on the outskirts of the playoffs, maybe that's a, a good season for them. Maybe when I speak to Steve Watt and uh, Alistair Bailey for the weekend, he, th- he thinks I'm talking out my backside because they want to do better. But from that point of view, we'll have a chat with them next week. Move on to the Southern Counties East League. Um, There's nearly a full programme of fiction on Saturday, which I think is probably the first time since August. Um, Plenty of decent games in there, some some goals as well. Only one draw, but oddly that's the one I'm going to pick out first. Um, it finished three, uh, Cray Valley PM3, Canterbury City 3. Um, only two goal scorers though. Former Charlton striker Kevin Lisby got all three for Cray. And Dave Pilcher got all three for, uh, for Canterbury City, which included his 50th goals for the club in just 98 appearances. That's, that's pretty decent going, that from Dave Pilcher. Yeah, yeah I think he um, started his career... Um... I've seen him at Ramsgate and I think he started at Dunsworth as well. So, yeah, good solid midfielder from that point of view. I, I was amazed. I was fair play when I saw that Kevin Lisby still banging in the goals. <laughs> from that point of view, he must be nearly uh, going on 40, uh, giving something back to the game from, from that point of view. So, well, sounds like an absolutely cracking game. It shows, you know, you mentioned about I think, only 31 people in attendance, but I'm sure they were well entertained that day. Yeah, and another hat-trick hero was Dan Bradshaw for Sheppey as they beat Glebe 6-2. And we managed to miss Glebe, uh, changing the manager a couple of weeks ago, Matt. Ben Young, who we spoke to earlier in the season, he's gone. They've, they've got someone who I think Anwar Adin is involved in in the new sort of management they've got there. So that's interesting. And there's also a hat-trick for Steve Smith as Russell beat Lords with 3-2. Hat-tricks galore there. And a lot of penalties in that division as well, I think, that weekend. But it's entertaining game, so I have to say there's plenty of goals in there. The only one... Only had one with Tunbridge Angels when Tunbridge Wells, sorry, when they beat ASC Croydon. But yeah, if you want entertainment, it looks like the scaffold could be the place to go. Well, I was going to say the table's starting to take a little bit of shape, but then I looked at it and we've got a rate. The team who's played the fewest has played nine games, and uh, the team with the most has played 15. I think my favourite thing about the league table, though, is Whitstable Town. They've played nine games, they've only played three league games at home. It's November. What, how come they've only played three league games at home? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I. Again, I, I, probably the numerous cup competitions involved in that. That does seem a, a strange point of view. And again, from a club point of view, um, people coming in, getting money through the bar, etc. It must be a real behind for the club. And again, this is the problem as well. Because when you think about it, they've only played three home games. They might play four home games on the spin and then people can't afford to go at that point of view. Yeah, the league needs to look in to see what's going on from that point of view. Uh, but again, it seems very, very strange. Um well, they've only played three three league games, but I mean, at home this weekend they are indeed. So hopefully they can get some get some people through the gate and get some uh, points through the on the door on the board as well. Because I still think they've got a chance to uh, get promoted. Yeah, and the other thing about Whitsport is in those three league games at home, there's only been four goals. They've scored three and conceded one. They played at home in the Vars and won six five. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Get value for money in the Vars, not so much in the league. Yeah, it's, it's they're, they're home in the Vars again in a couple of weeks' time from that point of view. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be an uh, entertaining thing. If, if you live in the Whitstable area, get down there, support the club, support the side. They'll be looking at a side. They could be one of the sides we mentioned before could get to the quarterfinals of the bar. They go on a bit of run with the experienced players they've got and the experienced manager they've got as well. So, yeah, go, go and support the side. 
Yeah, and um, top of the league at Seven Oaks, by the way. And um, they've got games in hand over every team down to 12th, so they're looking good. And they go to Deal on Saturday, which is probably the pick of those games. And just finally, we should mention Welling United, who've been flying but suffered a rare defeat last time out. Um, regular Twitter contributor Dean Sawyer to- tells me it was the worst refereeing display he's ever seen, um, as Welling lost 2 1 home to Wealdstone. Um, they go to St Albans this weekend, who are fourth, three spots ahead of the wings, but. If Welling had won on Saturday, regardless of the ref, they'd be second in the league. We'd have the top two teams in that division. They've got to bounce back, haven't they? Yeah, I think that one of the things I worry about is probably their discipline. They've had a few players sent off. Ben Jeffers was sent off in that game as well. But as we saw, apart from the first game of the season, they're unbeaten away from home. So, St Albans, I think they gave Dartford a big test at the weekend, but Dartford had too much for me and Amundsen, the manager there. So, quite an experienced one. But yeah, Welling will go there. Still got some quality in the, in the ranks as well. Jack Richards, we mentioned, went on loan there from, from Maystone. He'll have a point to prove as well because I'm sure he'd want to be involved with Maystone in the, in the FA Cup. So, yeah, again, away from home, I think they're a different outfit uh, with United. And maybe they're struggling at home because the supporters maybe expect a little bit more because they've got good support. You know, vociferous support as well down there at Parkview Road. But, yeah, there's no reason why Welling can't go to St Albans at least pick up a point. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's about it for, for this week's show. It's, been another busy week and plenty to talk about and obviously all really looking forward to the FA Cup games this weekend. Um hopefully at least one of our teams is gonna get their name in the hat for, for the next for the next round and, and then you know televised draw again on Monday night I would imagine. Um and then as you say you're ninety minutes away from Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal. I could go on. Um so fingers crossed we're gonna be having another team free. Um Staines Margate Staines you Saturday um, I think... How many Ken do you think you'll get through then, John? Um, I am going to go for... I think one's going to go through on at the weekend. And I think at least... Uh, I think one will go to a replay. I'm not going to say who, but I think we'll have two teams in the hat. And I think they both might get through. There you go. There's my... There's my uh, prediction but um if you look, saw the state of my online betting account you probably wouldn't be wise to uh, to go along with me um but yeah c- cracking weekend really looking forward to it looking forward to seeing what happens um you're obviously at margate stains on saturday matt um i am well on saturday i'm actually going to a, the opening of a restaurant so but that's by the by so i think i may on tuesday night pop down and see how herm bay are getting on at the moment and and see herm bay against thamesmead i think that might be a nice little game if I can get out. And then possibly, I've still got to clear it, but possibly on Wednesday, you could get the first podcast of the Kent Only podcast where we're actually together recording it. Because I think the plan is that we are going to meet up on Wednesday, have a curry, have a, do a podcast and, and have a bit of a catch up. So that should be really good. Um, fingers crossed anyway, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, I've, I've had my class stamped. So uh, just need some of that help. Maybe you could put it in the birthday card to get it delivered to <laughs> Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, brilliant. Thanks everyone for listening as always. Um, really enjoying doing the show still. It's not getting bored of it yet, which is which is probably good because when we get bored of it, it might not be as entertaining or you may not think it's entertaining anyway. Um, as always, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again to Adam Birchall for giving up his time um, last week. Really interesting interview that. Enjoy chatting to him and, and seems like a really nice fellow and hope everything works out well for him at Arsenal um, with all of his coaching and everything like that. And uh, yeah, all that remains, just say thanks very much for listening and we shall see you all next week. Thank you very much. Cheers.